Hello and welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 115 and today's episode, Unhelpful Statements About Parenting. Oh, I'm going to be raging. I want to call out some of the things that people comment on on social media or statements that people make in conversations which are fundamentally untrue and they absolutely play havoc with people's well-being and we've just got to stop it. Now, I'm just going to give you a bit of a heads up. We could go in all sorts of different directions. I may well even use bad language. I feel so in, well, I don't know if I necessarily feel enraged. I feel really passionate and it makes me really cross that this sort of stuff still still keeps happening. But I've just, it's happened a bit too often this week for me to not say something. So this is an ad hoc extra episode that I've had to put in out of the kind of sink of what I was going to do because I just, I don't know, I felt really compelled to talk about it. And let me just talk you through a few things that I've seen. So today, to add on, because I'd already started thinking I would need to have a conversation about this, and then I saw something else today. So today I saw an article about Rihanna and how she's like embracing the whole mumsy wearing, mumsy clothing and mumsy being mumsy. I mean, what the hell is that all about? She's simply a woman who is a mother who just happens to be wearing what is probably comfortable and normal but anyway we will so I just want to give you a bit of an up sort of a bit of a context of the things that make that are making me a bit ranty so that's one of the things that I've seen and that's sort of additional things the other ones I want to talk about they just they just get my back up because I, I felt and I felt I had to say something parenting truly is one of the hardest things that we will ever do the guilt the tiredness the second guessing, the worry, the shame, you name it, we feel it. So when I see and hear people who quite simply don't know any better, I feel I have to call it out. Now I'm going to try and do this in a compassionate way because what we also have to remember, this is not about hating on people, we all say and we all do things from what's going on with us and so it's about being compassionate to these people. I think the reason why I'm so enraged is that I know that as this podcast episode airs for the first time it is the summer holidays and whether you've got school-aged children or you haven't got school-aged children it's a time that we typically have with our family that's often when we take our biggest extended period of time off and so why it enrages me is that there'll be a there's a lot of parents out there fundamentally doing their best really doing their best And so I find it really unhelpful when I see some of these comments. Now, remember, I'm not on social media. So I've picked up on some of these things because people have shared them on the only platform that I am on, which is on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me, by all means, because it's only adults that are on there. You know, when I see things like that, it makes me really, really kind of cross. So let me just, so let me tell you why I've got all riled up. The kind of the couple of things that I had got that has really prompted this podcast episode and then I saw the Rihanna thing which just tipped me over the edge and the first one is it's a bit of a confession so I was eavesdropping on a conversation between a mother and her adult daughter talking about having a child now they were literally an arm's width away as I was writing so it was difficult not to hear so I wasn't deliberately eavesdropping it just happened anyway 
The daughter must have been in her late 20s, possibly 30s. Please don't judge me. The conversation was, was, let's face it, when I've reflected on it, was one of those sort of naive conversations. You know, the sort of conversations that we have before we become a parent? The conversations that say things like, I'm never going to bribe my children. I'm going to be a great parent. Um, And my children are going to do exactly what I ask them to do. And I'm not going to stop doing all of the things that I feel passionate about I'm not going to stop seeing friends I'm going to do this I'm going to be fantastic at that I'm going to explain things to them we're going to have great quality to you get you get the picture all of these things and I think what frustrated me particularly about the conversation wasn't not necessarily the naivety but what really kind of got me was unhelpful comments that this young woman was making about how much easier girls were to raise and how she wanted to have a daughter because she could dress her up and that girls are really easy to kind of bring up because basically you just give them something to colour in or a doll and they'll just sit whereas actually boys are so much more difficult they need to be exercised regularly so you can't possibly live in a sort of in a city because that's just too difficult you can't have a you can't have a boy in a city that's just too difficult you'd have to live in the country I understand that this comes from a space of naivety. We have all been there. I mean, my naivety was 100%. I am never going to bribe my children. How little did I know about the realities of parenting? So we all have a lot of those those sort of naiveties, and I get that. I think what made me particularly frustrated, what what made me really particularly cross about that comment, comment was that it's hard enough as it is being a woman, and in terms of gender stereotypes and it's really tough equally in some ways being a boy and the gender stereotypes that are there so I was quite genuinely gobsmacked that a woman who was growing up in her who's in her 20s and 30s in the year 2023 is perpetuating those really unhelpful stereotypes because that's exactly what they are and let me the reason why stereotypes are just so dangerous is that what happens is when we hold those stereotypes, regardless of what we might consciously say on the outside, we act on those stereotypes in every single decision that we make in the way that we think and those thoughts bear out in the way that the choices that we make and the things that we say and the things that we do. And so having someone of an age where the whole notion of stereotypes and how dangerous they are and how unhelpful they are and the barrier that they will be for whether they're male or female in terms of roles and also pursuit of careers, pursuits of lives and all of these other aspects will bear, will have such a profound effect that I was slightly gobsmacked and it did make me wonder whether actually am I falling into a bit of a naivety trap? Am I naive in my assumption that you know people of my sort of my eldest so my eldest is 23 but you know is there a naivety around expecting that those who are in their 20s and 30s now are really read up and gend up and understand how damaging and these sort of stereotypes are and if they're not then actually probably I need to stop being naive and I I think that there's that that's probably a a bit of both I think there's probably some naivety on my part in this assumption that with so much information out there now around how damaging these stereotypes can be in so many ways and we can do a whole separate podcast episode on on stereotyping but how damaging that is that 
it, there is a naivety maybe of an expectation that people of a certain age will will know that. I mean, we, we expect in lots of ways that there's going to be those stereotypes with older people. I remember my old father-in-law making jokes to my son, which I was just horrified about, about this idea about, you know, why women have small feet and such, so they can stay near the sink and all this ridiculous stuff and blue jobs and pink jobs. You know, I, I, in some ways I, I sort of accepted and knew and, and that was a sort of a, that's a whole different generation. They've been raised in a whole different way. Whereas there's that kind of assumption now, surely that those that are coming through and becoming parents themselves are really aware because it's either impacted them directly in terms of their pursuit of their own careers and their lives and the opportunities that they've been presented with, that they will be aware of how damaging stereotypes are. So I don't know, maybe it's a bit of both. I suspect there's probably a bit of naivety on my part, as well as naivety on the part of the individual. And for those of you who are listening who have a girl or a boy, you are there will be in equal measure some that may well fall within that gender stereotype um, and equally as many that, that those that don't but it is just damaging when we kind of make these blanket statements that girls are easy and they'll just sit quietly and draw and play dolls and they'll just do exactly what we ask them to do and that boys are this problematic you know these problematic bundles of energy that are just got to be tamed and managed and they're unruly and they need space because it's it's just so unhelpful because we perpetuate these anyway I'm rambling about that particular aspect of it so that's one of the things that have got has got me riled up the second thing which has annoyed me is something which I think was obviously shared on social media but somebody then shared it on LinkedIn the platform that I'm on now because remember I'm not on social someone had obviously shared this and the post went along the lines of, because obviously I didn't see the original social media post, but it went along the lines of something like, we get 18 summers with our children. The context in which this is coming out is the school holidays or the summer holidays, regard, you know, depending on the age of your children. A time where most parents will be struggling to manage childcare and work. And even if you are not struggling to manage childcare and work, you're struggling with this idea that you've got everybody home and these extended periods of time where you're all together and it's not I just find this whole notion that we get 18 summers I mean what 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 purpose does that have other than to make anyone who does not want to spend every single moment of those 18 summers with their children feel guilty why would you necessarily want to spend all of those with your children it's just so unhelpful whether you're a working parent or whether you're not the statement is designed to make parents feel less than if they're working or not feeling their children's summer with an endless array of fun and meaningful activities these same 18 summers can also be seen as 756 days out of 6,570 that we will spend with our children yeah so it just it's just kind of thinking and considering that you know if you want to use their description this whole idea about 18 summers then the idea is that somehow we will have no further relationship with our children or impact on their lives once they hit 18 you know it's like the six week summer holidays and I'm assuming that this is six week summer holidays from the from our children from the time our children are are born it's basically 11% of the time that we spend with them so I think long story short, those were the kind of the context of the statements that I've seen. And there are countless 
countless number of those that we see all of the time. They're these constant, you know, I've pulled up a couple of other ones, you know, what kind of parent, can, you know, what kind of parent can't stop their child from crying on a plane, in a restaurant, on a bus? Just give them what they want. You know, if you have kids, you should want to be around them all the time. And if you don't, why did you have them in the first place? It's those sorts of comments that are either made explicitly or they are implied in some way in the conversations that happen or the narrative or the things that get said. So I wanted to record this podcast episode because I think it's really important. I think if nothing else that you might get from this episode, I hope it's at least permission that it's okay. Do you know what? It's okay to be having some time with your children at home and really not be enjoying it. It's actually also okay not to be enjoying being a parent whatsoever. That's absolutely okay. It's okay to be counting down the days until your children either go back to school or they're going back into nursery or they're going back into however that childcare looks like. It can be okay to be desperate to be out of the situation that you might be in. And that might be either situation. You may be a stay-at-home parent that is just fundamentally not enjoying it. And I think that's why it's so damaging to to people's well-being when we make these comments which show some aspect of agenda from our perspective. You know, the person who's saying these things are not hurtful, unkind people. They've just not thought through the consequences. That might be the lens that you're looking at. Maybe you are a stay-at-home parent and you're blissful with it. You enjoy every single moment. In fact, you feel that every aspect of your life has been leading up to this. And there isn't a day that goes past where you don't feel grateful that you are at home full-time raising your children. Now, that may genuinely be you, truly genuinely be you. Now, if that is you, I can guarantee for those of you that are listening to this and thinking, well, that 100% is not me, that those that would that kind of identify with that are going to have some pretty crappy days too. You are going to have days. And now it may, those days may not be days where you no longer want to be that stay-at-home parent because you love it. But there will be days where you are not enjoying it. And for those of you who are listening who can't identify it, I can tell you for sure there will be parents They won't enjoy it at times. They won't like their children at times. They may well be pulling their hair out at times, but they wouldn't swap where they are for anything else. And there are equally as many, if not, I would probably say the majority of parents are kind of doing the best they can. We're all, you know, this notion of good enough parent. We're all trying to do the best that we can. And hindsight is a wonderful thing. We never know what's right and what's wrong until afterwards and even then we don't always know you could be doing all of the things that might look like perfect parenting and still screw up your kids the only thing which is truly authentic real and genuine is in each and every moment being true and honest to you as a parent so this episode is for all of you who are just finding it challenging because actually that should be probably 99.9% of parents on any given day So I want to just share with you three things that might be, three things that I would say when these unhelpful things occur, and they will, whether they happen directly, somebody says something to you, whether it's a relative, whether it's a well-meaning friend, whether it's something that you scroll through on some social platform or or anything. These are the three things I I guess I would just say to you. The first one is stay connected to what you know is true. And what we know is true is that we all parent differently and that's okay. So this idea about 18 summers, well, what you know for true is that we all parent differently and that's okay. You aren't screwing up 
your kids, yeah? What's real and what isn't? Smoke and mirrors. So this idea of what's real and what isn't, this idea of 18 summers, if we go to that particular thing or we go to this idea that girls are so much easier to have as children than boys and what are we going to do with boys and you've got to live in lots of space to have a boy because it's just too difficult otherwise. If we think about it, it's what is actually true. When we step away from the emotion, and we'll talk about the emotion in a minute, but when you step away from that emotion, Once you've worked through it, we're not blocking the emotion. We're not trying to avoid feeling the emotion. When we step away from that critical chatter that we're having, we know what's true, what's true, what isn't. We know what's real and what isn't. It's reminding ourselves that that person who made the post, that person who made the comment, whatever it might be, is looking at the world from their lens. That could be a naive lens an idealistic lens. Let's just think about, we were all so idealistic. I had had zero experience of young babies and children before I had mine. I was in this whole kind of world of, this is the way it's going to be, and I can't understand why people don't do it right in the first place. It's a whole, it wasn't that I was judging other parents, I was just naive. So it's really staying connected to what is true, and you'll have to, you, I'll move on to this, you know, how we kind of work through it in that moment. But the staying connected to what is true is, is something that you'll need to do after the emotion. Because the emotion will feel raw and it will feel difficult. And in those big, raw and difficult emotions is not the ideal time to be really able to kind of reflect on that particular situation and look at it from within the, within the lens of realism. So the first one I would say is stay connected to what you know is true, but it won't be the first thing that you do. The second thing, which is probably the first thing to do, I should have put them in order, shouldn't I? Anyway, the second thing, which is the thing that I would recommend that you do first is give yourself permission to feel. It's really important that we allow ourselves to feel emotions. We talk about this idea about emotional regulation and trying to avoid our children being emotionally dysregulated. Well, we become we become emotionally dysregulated as adults. Our children become emotionally dysregulated as children when they do anything and everything to avoid the feeling. So first of all, give yourself permission to feel, whether that's shame, whether that's anger, guilt, rage, whatever it is, allow yourself to feel it. Give yourself that permission and label it. The truth is you will experience more than one emotion. So for example, you may well feel guilt and shame at the same time. So really give yourself permission and label it. You know, Be really conscious in, mm, I wonder if I'm feeling guilt and shame right now. In fact, I know I'm feeling guilt and shame right now. Then ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And can I change it? So this is about being really honest with yourself. So maybe, let me just talk this through. Maybe you feel guilt for not being at home and having the Instagrammable picture perfect life. (laughs) Ha ha ha. What a load of bollocks. We genuinely know that doesn't exist. But when you dig deeper, it may be, you know, this idea about guilt. It may be the guilt that you have and the shame might be because you're doing a job, maybe you're doing a job you hate, yeah, or you have to stay at home, you're a stay-at-home parent and your life sucks, yeah, because it, you know, you feel it doesn't look the way that it's supposed to, so don't forget that those feelings occur not necessarily 
because that's what we want. It can be as a result of something else. So if, if we don't have this contrived narrative that you know people want to keep feeding us, that is a, just a total lie about what parenting should look like, particularly in extended periods of time when we're home, and we just don't have that, that guilt and shame can come from the fact that our life doesn't necessarily look like what we perceive it should do. But it can also be because of what we perceive we're sacrificing this wonderful life by doing something else. And that doing something else might not be something that we're happy with. But equally, it could be that we feel that guilt and that shame because we're doing something we love. And we think that maybe we shouldn't. Or we feel guilt and shame that we enjoy that more than being the stay-at-home parent that we think we ought to have. The very first thing is when you see these things happen and you know you get triggered by them, as I have done monumentally this week, is just give yourself permission to feel, you know, why did I, why did I feel so enraged when I saw these things? I, I think for me, I, you know, in lots of ways, I'm kind of, it's a slightly different scenario for me because my children are older that sort of come out at that other side. But it doesn't mean I don't stop maybe feeling guilty or feeling ashamed or feeling that I'm not judging myself based on things that I could have, could have and should have done. But I think more so what particularly enraged me about this is that I, I guess it's feeling that all of the effort that I put in and so many other people in my in the same space who are trying to you know advocate for real and honest parenting and then when you hear and you see these things you think oh my goodness me we still have so much to do so much more work that needs to be done if people are genuinely still comfort coming from this space of you know 18 summers goodness me you're going to get more than 18 summers with your adult child so why are we focusing in on these these very specific things, whereas actually our relationship with our children goes well beyond them being dependent on us. We will continue to have our relationship with our children for a very long time yet to come. So it is give yourself permission to feel, number one, stay connected to what you know is true. And the third one, so I've only got three tips this week, but the third one is connect with your tribe. And if you do not have one, please go get one. Yeah. So these do not have to be other parents. They absolutely do not need to be other parents. But these are people who you can truly be yourself with. These are people that you can truly share and be honest about your feelings with and have honest conversations. We talk a lot about this notion of being vulnerable and our vulnerability and showing that vulnerable side to us which is phenomenal and is really important and is something that we should be doing. But we also need to be discerning with who we are truly vulnerable with. You know, we're, we're handing over something that's really quite precious, something that's quite that can be quite fragile. And you wouldn't want to just give that to anybody. And it's okay to have friends who you are not vulnerable with. You know, we all have friends for different reasons and and sometimes we have friends for certain seasons and that's okay. Not every single person that you have as a, as a friend or even a good friend it will be someone that you will share everything with. Now, if your tribe happens to be a whole bunch of other parents, maybe you did some antenatal courses when you were expecting or maybe, you know, you're part of a community who've adopted or who've, who've children through surrogacy whatever that might be it may well be that your tribe relates specifically to your role that is parent but our tribe can be also across our eclectic mix of multiple roles that we have and that that 
the, the group that you share that vulnerability with may well also change with time but it's so crucial to find your tribe because the more we try and parent singularly and I mean singularly not as a single parent but singularly as in within just a, our immediate family unit of ourselves our partner then I think the more the less rich our children's lives are because the whole purpose of having a tribe is not just because of the support that you get that emotional support and that ability to be open and vulnerable but what that tribe also gives you is a diverse way of thinking because their life experiences will then inform on the conversations that you have and some of the decisions that you will end up making which then impact your children there's a sharing of resources that happen whether that's resources around recipes whether that's resources around physical equipment for looking after children whether it's resources around childcare, whatever it might be the tribe and the community with which we raise our children is so much more than the person or the group of people that we just have conversations about parenting with it's this whole collection and that's why I'm such a huge advocate that's why I talk about it so often and I'll be honest I was not great at finding my tribe at all 100% when my children were babies my tribe would have been my family so my husband myself but also his parents and my mum so it was I, I had a tribe and in lots of ways as I suppose you'd expect I was very honest with my mum about how things were and that has its purpose but actually when my children were babies you know I could have done with a bigger tribe and, and I did get that 100% did get that my you know my tribe definitely got bigger and for different reasons and for different purposes and also for different seasons as my children then started going into school but I know that my journey as a parent and the ups and the downs would have been so much more just so much easier and so much more joyful had I been sharing that with a community and I had I had it wasn't even necessary about finding my tribe if I had actually made an effort to engage to seek out my tribe so that would be my third one is that really connect with your tribe if you and if you don't have one go get one I hope this podcast has been useful this particular episode because you know there's been a lot of ranting and, and sort of raving about this I just think it's such a crucial thing that we are that we have these honest conversations about parenting and that we pull people up when they say things probably from well-meaning statements and well-meaning views but that they actually don't help and particularly for me, it's they sort of came at a time that I know, I just know so many parents will be struggling, will be finding it difficult because that's the real life of parenting. So I do hope that that was sort of a helpful episode. My give this week is going to be those three top tips, which you can get from my free resource library. You just head over to drmaryhand.com forward slash library where you'll find the link to download the resource. All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful. I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time. Bye.